Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good morning again. I'm Ben, the lead pastor. So glad that you're here. We are wrapping up a series called And a Happy New Year. Uh, it was great to, this last week, well, some things weren't so great if you're a football fan, but uh, it was great to have the snow come and go. Uh, lots of exciting things uh, ha- happening at church as well, and I hope that you're going to look at the opportunities that are coming ahead. I'm kicking off a new series next week, which I think is going to be so uh, important for us as a church and for us individually. And there's also opportunities to get more connected with our groups. Well, as I was thinking about uh, and a happy new year, this topical series, I was thinking about those areas that cause us to grow. And so I looked at habits in relationship with our uh, with God, and also interpersonally. And so we looked at that last week. And this week we're looking at a happy new year when it comes to our struggles. And that may seem a little uh, counterintuitive, but uh, the real. The reality is if God can't meet us in our struggles, then God can't meet us. That's why it says our theme scripture, Romans 12, 12, it says this. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. See, oftentimes what we think is other people will have affliction and, and, and it's not uh, us, but we all have struggles. I've, I've been known uh, to be a person, I'm not a cat person if, if you're new around here. Uh, yeah, I, uh, but I used to have a cat. I actually admire cats. In fact, uh, but we have different people. Okay, how many of you uh, are cat people? Come on, raise your hand. Raise them high. You do it to torment me. Uh, how many of you are dog people? Like Jesus was. The, uh, so, uh, but one of the things I appreciate about cats is their tenacity. Uh, in fact, even when cats are struggling. I came across uh, uh, these pictures I thought was funny. Yeah, this is, there used to be a bird that lived there. Uh, now it's inside that cat. And this one is weird. When you look at this one, uh, check it out, this next one. Uh, is, this is not a door, it's a ceiling. How do you like to wake up to that? Uh, and then uh, this one. Now, I made a comment at the Saturday night service and I got in trouble. You can guess what that comment was. Uh, so, and then this one, isn't that, yeah, thirsty, poor little kitty. Uh, well, you know, uh, the funny thing is, everyone struggles, everyone gets stuck. The question is, are we going to stay there, or are we going to start doing some things differently, believing some things differently? Are those going to come together and allow God and God's people to help us in our next steps in our life? See, what will happen is our decisions get us to this point, and sometimes we don't know how to get out. 
Uh, last weekend, of course, was the Seahawks game. Uh, they lost, and uh, I, I wanted to watch uh, that game, but I also had uh, to go to Canada, was speaking to some Christian leaders up there, and uh, I decided not to fly. I thought it would be good to drive this time of year, which was not a wise decision last Sunday, because, of course, uh, they predicted snow. I didn't take it that seriously until it started to snow. I, was, I thought, I'll just watch the Seahawks game, and then I'll drive up. So I started watching the game, but then started to get a little bit nervous because I thought it was snowing and all of that. Uh, so borrowed my, my wife's SUV and uh, decided to drive uh, up to Vancouver, Canada. Uh, just in case you're new around here, when it's snowing and you drive north, it doesn't get less snowy. In fact, it, it, was, uh, it didn't take me long. It was a short seven-hour drive to Vancouver. Uh, and uh, as, I, as I was there, I would say, you know, I drove like a little old lady, but that would be offensive to little old ladies. I was driving so slow. I uh, was really uh, keeping my eyes on the road. And you can imagine what happened. Uh, as I was driving. There were lots of traffic jams. There were literally dozens, dozens and dozens of cars uh, on the side of the road uh, that had spun out. There were accidents, multiple accidents everywhere. And here's what you would think. You would think, well, this Washington state uh, people are not prepared as much for snow. You would think uh, like the old rear-wheel drive cars, they can't handle the snow very well, or maybe those kind of vehicles. But as I looked at the side of the road and the cars that uh, had gotten in crashes or by the side of the roads, there were many four-wheel drive cars, many SUVs that were in ditches, cars that were actually made for this kind of weather, but it's, there seemed to be very little difference in the cars that actually got stuck. And here's what I think probably happened, is that people uh, started to get a little bit of confidence. They knew they should be more careful, but they thought, hey, I've got this new SUV. It can do anything. And they found that was not true and ended up in a ditch or in a wreck. And, and that's what I think happens to us in our lives, is that uh, sometimes we can uh, think that we can go to places that we shouldn't be going. We can do things that we shouldn't be doing. Now, I'm not saying to live in fear. Christians should be the most confident people on the face of the earth. And you're not a Christ follower yet. I'm glad you, you came here. But here's reality. If you become a Christian, here's why you can have confidence. Because you know the creator of the universe made you and has a plan for your life. That on your very worst day, that God has a plan when you sin and you struggle, that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for your sin. The Bible says nothing can separate us from God's love. That no matter what crazy stuff happens in the world, that God has a plan. In fact, if you read this book, the Bible, end of the book, pretty good. We win. It turns out okay. Uh, so you should have a lot of confidence. But it should be a confidence in what God can do. Now, when it comes to our struggles, when it comes to our, our sins and our failures, oftentimes we feel anything but confident. We can feel shame. We can feel guilt. We can feel like we, we really can't make progress. But look at what the Scripture says uh, about this. And this, we're going to revisit this passage again. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. How many of you think that God has too much confidence in you? Yeah, I do sometimes. I'm like, okay, God. 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, as we face struggles, we, many of us, like I said, it's, it's one of those things we'd rather not talk about. But I know that no matter how many habits you get, how many relationships you enter, that if you don't allow God in this, these areas of your life, your sin and your struggle, that there's not going to be the progress that you want. In fact, James, we're going to look a lot in the book of James. It says, James 1, 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And why, can I, why should I be joyful when I face trials? That, that doesn't seem right. It seems a little bit uh, counterintuitive because it helps me to, to draw really close to God in those moments. Some of you were raised in, in, I wasn't raised in a religious environment, but you, you may have been, and you were taught that, that if you're struggling, if, you, if you're a, some sin in your life, you really can't get close to God. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus actually came for that because he knew it and he wants to, to help us. Now, Christianity is not a sin avoidance program. It's a relationship with God program that helps us in our areas of struggle. Because otherwise what will happen is we'll get stuck. We'll feel, I talk to so many people who uh, sometimes they feel like there's not a lot of hope for them in their lives. But then I've talked to other people. I talked to a couple people last night. One person said, you know what? Uh, this is uh, going to be the year that I deal with that, that sexual addiction and I'm not going to let shame keep me from my next right step in Jesus Christ. Another person was talking about this is a year that I'm moving towards sobriety. And it may not be things like that. It could be anger. It could be some other area in your life where you feel you're always going to struggle. And it could be a season of struggle. It could be a long one. But I want you to know that there's hope. Here's how we do better, maybe right now or next time, is one, you got to recognize the source. you got to recognize the source of our struggles. It says this in James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God does not, uh, cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That, that really, that God is not the source. In fact, there's an enemy of our souls who can be uh, the source of our struggle, uh, sometimes it can just be uh, circumstance. Uh, temptation, uh, when it comes, like, I'll, this is, you know, the socially acceptable one. I've shared, I've had many struggles with, you've seen me really big, you've seen me really skinny, somewhere in between. I always struggled with my weight my entire life. It's been uh, something for many years was uh, shameful for me, but now I just sort of embrace the struggle. Well, here's the problem. I, I faced a dilemma because over Christmas, uh, you wonderful people decided you would bless your pastor with food. And we don't have kids in the house anymore. I mean, it was great. I got like, you know, uh, people coming to me and say, this pie, my grandmother's recipe, will you eat it? And what am I supposed to do, disrespect someone? I wouldn't do that. I love the people of the church too much. Uh, I, got, I got a basket. I don't know who it was from. It was anonymous. And it had like a lot of those uh, sausages, those Hickory Farm sausages, uh, which I don't want to know what's, what's in them. I'm, I'm assuming vitamins, vegetables, and goodness. Uh, and so, so I ate those, and my wife and I are really different when it comes to food. So we had all this food. Someone gave chocolate straws, a straw made of chocolate. Does anything sound better than that? 
so my wife, who's here today, uh, this is one thing where we're different, because she has that thing, what do you call it? Self-control. Yeah, that's what you call it. Uh, she will, uh, she'll, she'll literally take a Snickers bar, she'll take a bite, she'll put it in the refrigerator, and have the rest of it next week. Now, how many of you admit people like that bother you just a little bit? Uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I, like, you know, to me, there's only one speed, go, go, go. And uh, so, so I had all of that, and um, we say, how did you resist temptation? Well, I'm going to buy new clothes after the service. That's how, no, it, so, so that's a, a funny one, right? Okay, we all, you know, food can be a little bit, of, but what about when it's one of those things that you feel ashamed to even talk about? We have a, a saying here at Timberlake Church is that we have a low shame level. And that's not just a slogan, that's actually a philosophy in ministry. And one that's important, if you're going to be here a long time, that you buy into. Because we're really serious about this. Because I've seen time and time again uh, in religious environments, churches, where people would rather go ahead and leave and struggle or get divorced or whatever's going on than admit they have a problem. And I thought, that's not what I read in the Bible. I read in the Bible that we're supposed to support one another. Not, when there's sin, we call it sin. We, you, know, we believe, you may not believe in sin, but sin believes in you. Let me tell you that. And uh, so there is sin. There is struggle. But we can, we can have hope. We can make progress. In fact, it says in Proverbs 28, 13, it says, whoever conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so, uh, that if you're new around here, one of the things we have you do every week is to confess. We're going to spend about five minutes now you confessing your worst sin. No, we wouldn't do that. We, uh, you're like freaked out. But you need someone in your life. You need someone in your life. Also, understand the process. Understand the process that you go through uh, when it comes to your particular uh, area of struggle. It says, but each one of you when uh, tempted by his own uh, evil desire, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, and then after that desire conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. It's sort of that process where we allow a corrosive effect in our life. See, what will often happen, and I've talked about this before, is that many, maybe you're uh, very good at, at sports or you've done well in business or financially or in education, and we have this myth of omnicompetence that somehow I can do this without God. And we start making decisions that are these little decisions that lead to a pattern of behavior that can be quite destructive in our life. And uh, I call it the Humpty Dumpty principle. You know, the Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So what's the moral of that story? If you're an egg, don't sit on a wall, right? And so uh, because, uh, because we don't, what'll happen, I've done this before where I get close to the edge, and I do it to, and say we get too close to the edge, and people are like, Ben, why are you doing this? You're causing me stress. Because it would seem ridiculous that I would put myself in a position where uh, I could be tempted, where I could struggle. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. I mean, we all have areas. By the way, if you don't, don't judge everyone else. I don't know what it is for you. 
but know that God wants to meet you there. And then we need to, number three, learn how to overcome. We need to learn how to overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors uh, when we are in Christ Jesus. And it says, do not be deceived, dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Th- that we can overcome, that we, but here's, here's the issue with our struggle. Uh, a number of years ago, I shared the story. Uh, a buddy of mine, I, I pastored in San Diego. He was a captain of the lifeguards for the city of San Diego. And his name's Rick. And I said, Rick, what's, what's sort of a struggle as a lifeguard? Because I'm thinking this is the best job on, in, on earth, being a lifeguard. And he said, well, the problem is, is not when someone's in, sort of in trouble. Because when you're in trouble and you're like, hey, I've gotten out too far. Hey, lifeguard. But if someone's really drowning... He says, almost always, they will fight you, and they literally could kill you and bring you under with them. Because when all you can see, you can't see what's happening, the person who's trying to save you. He, he told me a story of a, like a big bodybuilder guy who was just drowning, and he was horrible, and he was grabbing him. He was bringing him down, bringing him down, bringing him down. And so I said, what do you do? And he finally, he said, with all my might, I had to punch him in the face twice and knock him out. And so my application is this. Does God need to punch you in the face? The, uh, the, sometimes we, we resist the help that the Lord is trying to give us. The Bible says in, in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God's plans are to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in a future. So here's the questions, and I, I know this is a pretty serious topic today, but i got to tell you, I've had so many conversations of people who say, this is what, I feel this is a nudge that God, is, God has really given me, that I'm not going to be identified with the struggle anymore. Now, first question is this, who are you letting in? Who are you letting into your life? We need people who love God and love us. Now, we'll have friends who, who may not share our faith, and, and that's good as well. But sometimes you're going to get advice that actually could be more destructive than helpful to you. Who loves God and who loves you? How are you letting people into your life? I, I love hearing the stories of people who are meeting in our groups, our restore groups uh, in particular. Where, and some of these are not for addiction or anything. They're uh, just support for uh, divorce care, grief share, cancer care. We have a re-engaged marriage ministry, which if you're married and have not gone through that, uh, I, I could not encourage you more to take that kind of step. But just people who we're allowing into our life. Because God works when we, when we don't live life alone. And then where are you letting go? Where are you letting go? And, and now you might think of this as, well, okay, I'm going to stop the bad behavior. Here's what you really need to let go is that shame cycle. And the shame cycle says, I've done something bad. I feel really guilty. I promise I'll never do it again. And then I struggle again and it keeps on going. Will you receive the complete and absolute total forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Every sin, past, present, and future. Now, now there is sin. There is struggle. It means missing the mark. There are areas where we miss the mark, and it's real. Because when you do that, you can start to make progress in your life. And that's to the uh, other question. Where are you letting God? Where are you letting God uh, in your life? Where, where are you letting him do a work in your life? It, I, I would say this. If, you're, if you've been coming around church for a while, 
if 1% of your time, would you give 1% of your time to God? That would be about 100 minutes a week. And church is great, and, and I'm not just saying that self-servingly. It is important for you to, to be connected at church, because otherwise, I, here's the story I get all the time. Ah, I miss church. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry to me. We have five campuses, lots of services. I wouldn't know. Lie to me next time. You know, whatever you need to do. But uh, the truth is, it's about you being connected to other people and being connected. And then there's that, those, whether it's a group or a class or daily time with God, where would you give him some priority time in your life? There's an old, old booklet old by a guy named Robert Munger. It's called My Heart's Christ's Home. And he describes our heart like a home in that oftentimes we're fine to let Jesus on the front porch or maybe into the family room or the living room or the kitchen. And then we have those other rooms of our house, the, the, the study, the, our mind, the, the bedroom. And then he describes the dusty attic. You know that God is big enough to enter any of those rooms and he doesn't love you any more or any less by what he discovers there. It's, it's allowing him to do that work that he wants to do in you. See, here's, here's my goal for us as a church. I, I'm glad that we're growing larger as a church. I'm glad for all of that. I want us to grow deeper in our trust of God and in, in living that life of joy in him. And that's when happens when you say, God, here, here are my struggles. It's important as you do that to understand, number one, it is not just you. It is not just you uh, who is struggling. When I first became a Christian, uh, I, I wasn't raised in a religious environment, and I would listen to Christian radio. And every once in a while, uh, I'd hear someone on the radio, some <clears throat> radio preacher go, I don't even know why people sin. I'm like, I do, it's fun, you know, yeah, I mean, you do not have much of an imagination if you don't know why, uh, for a moment, until it's not, and, and then, uh, but it's not just you who's struggling. Uh, I, I, I've had struggles in my life, some I've shared, some I won't share, I shared one of those uh, was uh, and this was after I became a Christian with alcohol. Just everyone in my family has an alcohol problem. I should have known better. And, uh, but, but that was one of those things where I just know, man, for me and for many of you, uh, that's, uh, that's not a, a, a struggle. By the way, alcohol isn't bad. Uh, geez, what was Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John? Well, if you're a Baptist, it was he turned water into grape juice, but that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, thank you, Baptist friends. Anyway, he turned water into wine. And uh, so, that, so nothing wrong with that. But for some of us, that can be too much. It can be a distraction. And one can lead to another, and then it can cause havoc in our lives. And uh, so I like to stay away from that. Like I said... Uh, uh, I, it's been a long time. I have not preached drunk for weeks now. The, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I know for me, I can't go there. And I don't know what the area in for your life is you can't go there. But know that God wants to meet you there. And it's not just you. It says, uh, that number two, and it's, it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable that, that you're going to just go through the same cycle I remember I was praying with a guy, and uh, there's a buddy of mine when I used to live down in California, 
And he, he had this daily struggle. I mean, it was daily, and, and I prayed for him. And I, honestly, I didn't have that much faith for him, but I'm like, okay, God says to pray. And, and he came to me a few weeks, and he says, you know, this is the first time in my life, he's 35 years old, he says, this is the first time in my life that I have not struggled with this particular sin every day. And see, what I had counted out, even though I was willing to pray, and I think he had counted out, is that God can sometimes work in those areas where we feel defeated. Understand uh, this, that it's also not too late. It's not too late to, to deal with those struggles. In, in a very practical way, for us as a church, uh, we have groups, support groups, and it could be, you know, whether it's alcohol addiction, sexual addiction, maybe just some area of your life that you want to make improvement or, or, or be one of these uh, groups where you even just study God's Word. And, and you know that there are people who will walk with you, people who will pray for you, and that you will not stand alone. James is known for sort of being a hard guy uh, in the Bible that he would, you know, that he was, talks about a bunch of tough stuff. But look at what he writes. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. He says, yeah, there's problems. Yeah, I live a life that honors God. But don't let shame, don't let fear, don't let a spirit of defeat control your life. Say, God, I, I don't know if this will be a struggle for the next week or month or year, but I believe you're with me in the struggle. The Apostle Paul, he talked about a thorn in his flesh. Uh, and now people, we don't know what that was. Some people say maybe it was his eyesight. Some people say maybe it was some really horrible thing he was struggling with. And he said he asked the Lord to take it away and take it away. And it just didn't seem like there was any hope. We read that in Romans 7. And then in Romans 8, 1, he says, But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think for some of you, you need to hear that word today. That yes, there's some things we can do. There's uh, behaviors, there's attitudes. But ultimately, it is coming to Jesus. So James 5.16, he says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're going to end our service today uh, taking communion. And, and here's why we're going to do it. To remind that, that our struggles are, are not something that have to be permanent. That our sin does not define us. Do you know that uh, for some of you, you're thinking that you are your sin, and you're not. You're a child of God. And as we receive communion, we remind ourselves of that. That Jesus, he, he saw us on our, our, our worst day, and he says, I will lay down my life for you. You think about who was there as they had the communion. There was Judas who would betray him, there was Peter who would deny him. Most of them would abandon him. And he knew that they needed a reminder when they thought they'd blown it, that there was no way back, that there was a way back, that the re very reason he had come was to pay the price for our sin, that we could be redeemed and restored. 
And I don't know where this message hits you today. I hope you're in a great place. But for some of us, you're hearing that and know this is for you. You didn't show up by accident today. That God wants you to hear this. God wants you to receive this by the power of his Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 